not only is the x-ray fun drive, but a lot of you have your ballots. Some of you have turned them in already. Some people are still voting, and there's a bunch of stuff on the ballot. And one of those things says it's about drug treatment, says it's about drug decriminalization. Mark Zuckerberg came, put a bunch of money into it, came out positive. And right now we have one of the leading critics of that measure so that you can decide with full information. We have Josh Marquis, longtime DA from Tillamook County in Astoria, has worked in the legal field for a long time. He is on the air right now to talk to us about his views and some information about that measure. Joshua, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Jefferson, but I was the district attorney of Clatsop County, which is where Clatsop I was. Clatsop County. Sorry, man. I shouldn't have guessed. I should have just said Astoria and not made a, mis- yeah. not made a fool of myself. Forgive me. No Tell problem. Me- and and, Go and ahead. I'm... But I want to make really clear, I'm, I'm actually not part of the formal. There is a very small formal campaign. Just to give your listeners an idea of what a uh, David and Goliath fight this is, I was just looking at Orstar, which is the uh, reporting system, and um, there's been about 4 to $5 million spent to pass Measure 110, and there's been $53,000 spent to oppose it. The largest uh, benefactor by far is uh, an outfit out of Washington, D.C. called the Drug Policy Alliance, which is a subsidiary of the Open Society Institute, which is an endeavor of George Soros. The second biggest contributor is Mark Zuckerberg, who is the owner of, or one of the main owners of Facebook. He gave a half a million dollars, and then probably the third biggest contributor um, to the Yes campaign is the Oregon ACLU with about $200,000. Um, now, money's not everything, but we do know that money plays a big role in politics. And if, if your listeners are watching TV or opening their mail, they're going to be seeing a lot of ads trying to convince them that um, Measure 110 is a treatment measure. Uh, and that would be misleading. So how much you say was spent by the has been raised or spent by the pro campaign? The pro campaign shows at least four million dollars as to date. The anti campaign less than sixty thousand dollars. So it's, anybody not can look same. that up. Yeah. It's available at the Secretary of State's website. Four million dollars is more than fifty three thousand dollars. You know, don't be great arithmetic to get that. <laughs> what got in Oregon? I, I know you're from a political family. And Jefferson, and, and you know, you can't run a statewide campaign of any kind at all for less than usually about half a million bucks these days. And again, money doesn't equal evil, but it does tell you, and, and what's important to note is about 90% of this money is coming from outside of Oregon to support this. This would, if this law passes, and it very well might, it will be by far the most far reaching, most radical legalization measure in the entire United States. It will fly in the face of federal laws, and I sincerely hope that Joe Biden is the president, along with a lot of other people come January, but uh, I don't believe it's the pre- this is not the policy of the Democratic Party of the United States. And it will also put, the United, put Oregon in, in, in violation of a lot of international treaties, because we don't want, for example, the Chinese or the Mexicans or the Indians to send us huge quantities of methamphetamine. And it's very difficult from a foreign policy standpoint to say, well, uh, we want you to cut back on these things, but we are going to just throw the doors open. The main thing I think it's important for your listeners to know is this is being uh, uh, promoted as a treatment measure. 
Um, in fact, the very name of the group is More Treatment for Better Oregon, Yes on 110. What's important to note is there's not one dime of new money coming as a result of this. It, All what, it, just, it redirects the cannabis money? Existing funds. Yeah, where does the money come from for the treatment? The it money comes from, from the cannabis money? Places. It comes from marijuana taxes, yeah. which um, were frankly promised to education and some drug treatment and, and a bunch of other places. The problem with the marijuana taxes is they're very unreliable. The marijuana industry had a really bad year, primarily because of the fires. And um, so there's, you know, it's very hard to, to estimate. But in any event, there's X amount guaranteed from there. And the rest basically comes from, again, existing funds like education. One of the myths of this is that we're going to take all the money that we were wasting on prosecutors like me and cops and judges and prisons. That would be terrific, except we weren't spending any money. I can say that in the 25 years I was district attorney, I had exactly zero dedicated lawyers and investigators for drug cases. Oregon has had the most lenient drug laws in the United States, with the possible exception of Vermont, for over 25 years. People don't go to prison for simple possession in Oregon, nor should they. What this will do is it, they claim it is simply decriminalizing it, and technically that's true. What it does is it, uh, there are felonies, murder, rape, robbery, there are misdemeanors, assault, drunk driving, theft, and then there are infractions, speeding, um, having an expired license plate tag. Uh, the last category are crimes, or not crimes, they're offenses. You can't go to jail, you can't be put on probation, you can't be made to go to a class. Um, and then there are grades of each of them, A, B, C, D, E. A is the highest, E is the lowest. They created in this law a new category called a Class E infraction. So possession of 39 tablets of OxyContin, for example, would be a Class E infraction. That means it would be less serious than having mud obscuring your license plate. And let's assume that uh, an officer somehow determines that this person, this is the fifth time after the law passes, the fifth or sixth time they've caught them holding 20 to 30 tablets of OxyContin, which is quite a bit. Doesn't matter. Each one of those, uh, quote, offenses can be punished with no more than a $100 fine. Their license can't be suspended. Uh, they can't be ordered to go to treatment. Um, and what we're going to see as a result if this passes is an entire underclass of Oregonians. It frankly won't be generally people from families like yours or mine who probably have access to treatment and have alternative. It's going to be poor people and people of color um, who are simply going to be thrown away. And they're going to end up in, in an endless cycle of addiction and, and death and, and Unfortunately, uh, substance abuse is a problem that afflicts virtually everybody. I don't know about your family, but I can tick off at least three of my cousins that uh, suffer from serious substance abuse, one of which at least killed them. And most families in America are like that. So this is not an us and them thing. But this is, this is, not, this is a Trojan horse. This, if, if one believes truly that all drugs should be legal, there should be absolutely no uh, law enforcement involvement, and there should be no coercive treatment, um, then I suppose vote for it. Uh, but most people who've had friends, loved ones, relatives who've had an addiction problem know that unfortunately a very small percentage of them voluntarily go into treatment.
you already started to answer. Maybe it was the full answer to the question I was one of the questions I was going to ask, which is: Don't we ruin too many lives on drug offenses? Don't we spend too much enforcement resource on the war on drugs? You gave a, a key part of that answer already, which is: Hey, maybe we don't actually ruin that many lives right now for simple possession, and maybe that means we aren't spending too many resources. But for all the people who are supporting this, because they say, "Yeah, this war on drugs has been a big failure," what say you? Um, the war on drugs that Richard Nixon came up with in 1972 has been a big failure. But we haven't been waging that war on drugs in Oregon, at least, almost the entire time I've been a lawyer, and I became a lawyer in 1981. Um, since 1989, it has literally been impossible to go to prison in Oregon, even for your fifth or tenth conviction of simple possession of heroin. Now, on paper, it was a felony. Then we started in the 90s, we started drug courts, which were even better, because what drug courts said was, you, got, you, you get arrested, you have, a, you, you have a conviction looming over you, you go to treatment, we're going to wipe that conviction out. You're going to have no record whatsoever. Um, and a lot of people's lives were saved, not just literally their lives saved. But this idea, there are places in America, and there were times in America when the drug laws were so draconian um, that they did come crashing down and ruin people's lives. Uh, but we don't chop the hands off shoplifters anymore either, nor would I suggest that we should. The fact of the matter is that if you looked in any one of these silos where we're looking for money, say the court system, uh, prosecution system, the police system, and say how much of that is devoted to drug enforcement now, the answer would be next to zero. So what is 10 or 20 percent of zero? Still zero. Now, currently we have different, as is California, as is Washington, as is Colorado, different marijuana laws than the federal marijuana laws. And so far, federal officials haven't come to weigh in, have not imposed federal penalties for local cannabis shops. That's meth true. and heroin policy of several administrations. Meth and heroin might be different. What do we think <laughs> happens when uh, this is if this passes, right? If the four million dollars uh, beats the fifty three thousand dollars, <laughs> and the uh, and right now you have uh, meth and heroin that are class E offenses, but you have a president who is you know let's say Joe well either either president either Joe Biden or Donald Trump wins. What, what do you predict or what, do you, what should people be ready for about the potential clash of local versus federal laws? Well, as a practical matter, let me I'll be honest. I mean, I've been a special federal prosecutor. The feds just don't have the time or money to come crashing in or interest in, in busting every two-bit uh, you know, drug abuser, even though it's still a violation of federal law. But there would be a direct conflict between state and federal law. And any time the feds, there's a thing in constitutional law called the Supremacy Clause. The federal law trumps the state law. So anytime Trump is just, you know, coincidence. That's a bummer, right? Um, it, 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 yeah, it was a useful verb, in, in many and now ways. it's confusing. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is that if somebody, for example, was, I mean, look, marijuana is so benign compared to the drugs that we're talking about here. We're talking about uh, fentanyl, methamphetamine, heroin. I mean, these drugs destroy lives both directly and indirectly and in very short order um, in ways that, you know, marijuana is about as appropriate to, uh, you know, uh, uh, to compare it with as a beer would be. Um, and all these substances can be abused. The problem is I've never met a recreational user of heroin 
or methamphetamine. And unfortunately, in my job, I met many uh, users of methamphetamine and heroin. Disproportionate impact of drug laws are born upon communities of color. When we say, hey, let's just keep it is how it is right now, what is your response to having an unfair system? Well, we never have had a perfect system, and we don't now. Uh, Oregon is, a, is, a, an, a, is an incredibly non-diverse community generally. The African-American community in Oregon is barely 2%. Um, they are overrepresented in the general criminal system, as they are in most of the United States. There is no indication that drug laws are any more particularly so. Um, and, in fact, there, I, I think it would be – some of the statistics being thrown out by the Yes on 110 people are just false – um, if you went and tried to find people of, of color or, you know, Caucasians who were in prison in Oregon for just possession of drugs, I don't think you'd find any. Now, there's no doubt that if you are on the low end of the socioeconomic spectrum, and minorities tend to be, you're going to probably be over-enforced for a bunch of reasons. You're not going to have the ability to, you know, your parents won't be able to hire a lawyer. They don't know the judge. They don't go to the country club. These are systemic problems with the system. And the, and the idea, uh, which I think did exist at one point in the United States, that drug laws are targeted at people of color is frankly ludicrous. In fact, it's often uh, leaders, particularly in the black community, that have spoken up, and ironically, back in the 80s in particular, when they saw their communities being really targeted by, in particular, crack cocaine and heroin, uh, because these are communities that don't have the resources. Um, and, and again, the, the purpose of the criminal law is not always to punish. It is often to try to divert people and, and this sounds tough, but it's true, provide a negative incentive. If you provide no negative incentive for blotting out reality and slamming a substance into your arm, um, you know, which group of people is more likely to take advantage of that? People with every possibility who live in Lake Oswego or people who, uh, whether they're black or white, who live lives of quiet desperation and don't think they're ever going to get a job again. And what we're doing really with this measure, I mean, in the long run, is throwing away those people. Because, again, let's talk about what they claim it is. They call it the Drug Abuse and uh, Treatment Act. It's, it's deliberately made to sound like a federal law in 2000, except there is no new treatment. There's only one guarantee that you will get a single evaluation by somebody. Um, that's like these offers you see in, you know, on, on TV is come in and we'll evaluate your hearing for nothing. Yeah, they will, and then they'll uh, you know, offer to sell you a $3,000 hearing aid. I'm not saying the treatment community is trying to make money on it. Quite the contrary. Many people in the treatment community are horrified by this because what it will do is give the veneer that we're offering treatment. But having somebody come in and fill out a 15 questionnaire, point questionnaire asking them, you know, does do drugs interfere with your life? You know, have you, you know, all the, the kind of standard kind of questions that are asked, all that tells somebody is something they probably already know that they have a drug problem. And then the hard work starts and it's expensive. And that's where we should be spending the money. So the argument there, you dovetail, that was John Kitzhaber's argument that the 
most the most important reason for the current drug laws, the penalties on harder drugs now, is to push people into treatment. Would you concede, though, that there is still over-enforcement of drug laws, or do you think there is no problem no. at this point? Do you no. think there no. needs to be, uh, do you think there needs to be reform of our drug laws? Are you, are you satisfied with how it is? I've watched in the 40 years I've been a lawyer massive changes in drug laws. I was in the vanguard of making marijuana a non-criminal offense in the 70s. I thought that was a great idea. I was working in a DA's office at the time. Um, we, the prosecutors are the people who started drug courts. Uh, we advocated. So there, there have been a lot of very, very positive changes. Um, this, this idea that, um, that we're somehow people, well, in my former job, I'm retired now, so I don't have a direct dog in the fight, but um, I'm trying to rack my brain of the, you know, hundreds or thousands of people I've prosecuted. If I've ever been responsible for sending somebody to prison whose only crime was simple possession of drugs, even a large amount, and I don't think I can. Now, that doesn't mean I'm particularly good or Oregon's perfect, but the fact of the matter is Oregon's path has been one, like I said earlier in the interview, the only state out of 50 that sends fewer people to jail or prison than Oregon is Vermont. Um, we've, we don't have over-enforcement of drugs. Let me just give one very anecdotal example. I became district attorney in 1994 when my predecessor uh, framed two innocent police officers by claiming they'd stolen cocaine. So it was an uh, interesting way to, to take office, and I got reelected seven times. Um, when I started, we had probably five or six officers on the drug team. Fifteen years in, we had three officers on the drug team. When I left, we had one officer. Now, I'd like to tell you that I was such a great district attorney that we smashed the drug problem in Clatsop County, but that would be a lie. That's not what happened. What happened is that the uh, emphasis on uh, prosecuting drug crimes, um, going after them, uh, you know, doing the long, hard work to get to the dealers. It was just too much, and the state wasn't willing to pay it. So what we really have is sort of like an iceberg. We, ha we see a certain amount of drug abuse on the surface, either our friends, our families, homeless person, clearly intoxicated. But what is scarier are all the people below the surface and that group will grow because there will be no reason or way for them to come to the attention of anybody. And most of the people in the criminal justice system, as in the treatment community, are not there to enact punishment. They're there to try to have a decent civil society in which we can all share and, and you know, use it equally without somebody coming and ripping off your you know, your, your car stereo every three days if you don't have, you know, a $500 alarm system in it. Josh Marquis, former prosecutor from Clatsop County, thank you so much for spending your time today. Thanks for sharing your view on the measure with listeners. Thank you, Jefferson. Be well.